If you have a copy of God's Word, look with me at our passage found in the book of John, John chapter 3. John chapter 3, and we'll begin reading with verse 1. Again, if this is your first time attending Sunday night, if this is your first time watching online, on Sunday nights we're studying the book of John. We are literally going through it verse by verse. Uh, on Sunday mornings, I do series, and, and a series may last five weeks, six weeks. I don't have the time to go through books of the Bible, but on Sunday night, we take our time to look at the, the verse by verse. And sometimes it might take us a couple of years or three years to go through a book, but we want to get as much as we can out of the text. Because what happens a lot of times, we just skim over verses, and every verse is important. Every verse is the Word of God. And so tonight we're going to be looking at the first part of this story of this man coming to Jesus with a question. John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it is going. It comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify by what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you the heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. Pray with me. Father, tonight as we study this passage, we pray you guide us and help us to understand it. That, Father, you'll help us to understand the, the simple truth of it, but then also, Father, that we'll understand the majestic, majestic truth of it, how we can have eternal life. We pray this, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. During the 1976 presidential campaign, Jimmy Carter, politician, from Georgia, actually a peanut farmer from Georgia, really surprised a lot of people. He made a statement one day that sent reporters scurrying to their dictionaries because what he said in an interview was, I'm a born-again Christian. And the secular world had never heard that phrase before, and they began to do research. What does he mean by being a born-again Christian? Well, years later, Chuck Colson, when he wrote his, uh, one of his autobiographies entitled Born Again, again, the media tried to figure it out, and they went to the dictionary. What do you mean when you say born again? And then later, a boxer who was known for his temper, a man who was really known for not being a very good guy by the name of George Foreman. George Foreman turned his life around when he gave his life to Christ, and he told people, I am a born again Christian. And again, the media began to research it. And over and over, they kept asking the same question. What is a born-again Christian? I mean, can you be a Christian, not be born again? 
In fact, I heard one interview, they even asked someone, now, are you a Christian or are you a born-again Christian? This is why I don't keep bricks next to my chair watching television. Let me just clear this up quickly tonight. If you are a Christian, you're a born-again Christian. And if you're not a born-again Christian, you're not a Christian. But this phrase that people use was not original. Jimmy Carter was not the first person to say born again. The first person that said it was 2,000 years earlier when Jesus is talking to someone. So tonight, let's look at John chapter 3 as we look at this theologian coming to Jesus, talking to him. Tonight, I want to look at this religious leader asking a question, then the astounding answer to the question, and then finally pictures to demonstrate the answer to the question. It begins with a religious leader asking a question. Beginning in verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. We are introduced to this person. First time he's mentioned in the Bible. His name is Nicodemus. Who is Nicodemus? Well, his name is really a Greek name, but a very common name. It comes from two Greek words, meaning victory and people. When John tells us a lot in just a few verses of who he is, first of all, John tells us he was a very religious man. He says that in verse 1, this man of the Pharisees. Now, this morning we talked about the Pharisees. The the Pharisees were were a group of men who wanted to be very spiritual and moral. They believed the Old Testament was the Word of God. They believed in angels. They believed in resurrection. They had a lot of good beliefs. But they also believed salvation by works. To be saved, you had to work at it. And the Pharisees really were hyper-legalists. You had to keep every law every single time. And not only that, to be sure that you kept the law, they made rules around the law. This is what we talked about this morning. So you had a law, and they said, well, let's explain this law. And they made rules around the law. And then later, some other, fair, some other rabbis came, and they made some rules around the rules. And then the others came, made rules around the rules around the rules. And before you know it, you had over 600 rules. 600 rules, 600 laws that you had to enforce. And some were really just silly. For example... It was against the Jewish law for a woman to look into a mirror on the Sabbath. And here's why. She might see a gray hair and be tempted to pull it out, and that was considered work. Now, I don't know why they don't say men, but they said women. Or you could take medicine on the Sabbath, but you couldn't gargle it, because gargle was considered work. You couldn't spit on the Sabbath. That was considered work. Now, if you had a gnat, this is one of the discussions of the day. If you had a gnat in your mouth, you couldn't swallow it because that's an unclean animal. But you couldn't spit because that's work. What would you do? This is the kind of discussion they would have. I mean, they were very legalistic. So here's Nicodemus. He's a very religious man. He kept a lot of rules. He had this distinguished religious position. But please understand, you can be religious and not be saved. You can have an office and not be saved. You can be a pastor, not be saved. You can be a deacon, not be saved. You can be a Sunday school teacher, not be saved. You can sing in the choir, not be saved. You can be very religious, but that doesn't mean you're saved. Nicodemus was a religious man. But secondly, 
John tells us he was a respected man. He says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. And then he says, a ruler of the Jews. That, that word ruler in the Greek is archon. It means uh, politician. Literally, it meant that he was part of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin in Jesus' day were 71 Jewish leaders who really made up like the Supreme Court. They handled all the silver, silver and, and, and religious issues affecting Israel, and, and they were considered the most respected people of Israel. And here's Nicodemus. He was a very respected man. He was a religious man. In fact, later on, Jesus said, are you not the teacher of Israel? That word in the Greek language meant, are you not the best teacher of all? You're the best teacher they ever had, Nicodemus. He was very respected. And yet, he had prestige, but he had no peace. He had status, but he had no salvation. And so John says, this man, this respected man, this religious man, verse 2, this man came to Jesus by night. And he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Why did he come at night? Some believe he, he was embarrassed. I mean, here's the most distinguished teacher of Israel, and he's going to this itinerant preacher, this carpenter, to talk theology. Maybe he was embarrassed. Maybe he was scared because the Jews were throwing people out of the synagogue if you followed Jesus. Maybe he didn't want them to know what he was doing. Maybe, possibly, in those days, the rabbi at night would, would talk to the, his disciples, and he would go through the debriefing pro process of everything he had done, and he would go and tell the disciples, this is why I did what I did. Do you have any questions? There was time of questions. Maybe that's why he came to Jesus at night, because he knew Jesus was going to be answering questions. Whatever the reason was, he came to him by night, and he admitted that we know you're from God. He said, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God. He, by the way, he used to say we. He didn't say I. He said, there, there's a group of us. We know you're coming from God because there's evidence because no one can do these signs, these miracles, unless God is with them. So he's saying to Jesus, Jesus, here's what I know. You have to be coming from God because only God could do what you're doing. And so Nicodemus is very confused. This religious man is very confused about what's happening. He said, I cannot doubt the miracles. I'm not denying the miracles. I know the miracles really happened. And you're from God. And then verse 3, it says, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, one, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus said, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. Now, did you notice something interesting in that verse? In verse 3, it says, Jesus answered him. Literally, it means he's answering the question. Do you see a question in verse 1 and 2? Jesus is answering a question that this man did not verbalize. He's answering a question that is in his heart. This man came to Jesus, and he had a question in his heart. It's very puzzling. He said, let me give you the answer. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. So let's look at the astounding answer to the question. Truly, truly. By the way, that, that means very, and the, old, the King James, I love the King James, verily, verily. It means I tell you the truth. 
Anything you say twice means it's very important. He's saying, this is so important, Nicodemus. Focus what I'm about to say. I say to you, unless you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born again, can he? Nicodemus doesn't, answer the, uh, doesn't understand the, the answer. Jesus said, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus in verse 4 said, wait a minute, how is that possible? How can you be born again physically? Are you talking about reincarnation? Are you talking about something like that? But Jesus is talking at the spiritual level, and Nicodemus is talking at the physical level. Jesus says to be born again, you must be of the Spirit. Look what he says. Verse 5, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I say to you, you must be born again. So Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. Nicodemus is thinking physical. Jesus said, no, 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 I'm talking about the spiritual realm. You must be born again spiritually. Now, in many ways, Jesus is comparing the two. There are some connections between being born physically and being born spiritually. Now, you think about it. Physical birth provides life. When you're born physically, there is life. Babies have life. When you're born spiritually, you have life. Physical birth only happens one time. I mean, physically speaking, you can only be born one time. Spiritually, you can only be born one time. Physical birth takes place because of the suffering of another. And all the mothers said, amen. I mean, the mother suffers so life can be given. Spiritually, we are born again because Jesus suffered on the cross. Physical birth gives the infant a brand new start. You know, when that baby is born, there is no past. It's a new start. When you are born spiritually, you are a new person. You have no past. So in some ways, Jesus is telling Nicodemus, there is a connection. As you are thinking about the physical birth, apply it to the spiritual birth. You must be born again. Charles Finney was an evangelist of another generation. And someone asked him one day, why do you always preach on the subject you must be born again? And Finney said, well, simple. I preach on it a lot because you must be born again. That's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. If you want to see God, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. It's not based on human efforts. He is talking to one of the most respected men, one of the most respected men leader, religious leader. Jesus himself said, you are, are you not the teacher? You're the best teacher. According to the Talmud, Nicodemus was the fourth richest man in Jerusalem. Yet none of that was going to save him. Being born again is not based on our effort. We do not deserve eternal life. I mean, if anyone ever deserved eternal life, it would have been Nicodemus. I mean, he had it all. He had all the right qualification, but that's not how you are saved. You must be born again. It reminds us that salvation is not by generation. This is what I mean. Nicodemus and all the Jews believe if you came from the right tribe, you would see God. They believe their genealogy provided them a way to see God. 
Listen, your parents may be Christian, but that doesn't make you one. You know, every now and then I'll, I'll talk to someone about their salvation experience, and they'll say, well, my, my grandfather was a Baptist preacher. Okay, that's good. That has nothing to do with your salvation. What have you done? You do not get to heaven on the family plan. You must make your own decision. Salvation, not by generation. Salvation is not by perspiration. I mean, some people think you just work harder. Just work at it. That's what Nicodemus did. That's what Paul did. I, I'll just work harder and harder, but that won't get you to heaven. You cannot work your way into heaven. It's impossible. And no matter what, how much good you do on this planet, you cannot earn your way into heaven. Salvation is not by inspiration. I mean, some people think, oh, if I'm just emotional, oh, well, I must be saved because I cry during the worship service, or oh, I must be saved because I'm emotional when, when, I, when I think of things of God. Well, that has nothing to do with it. Salvation is not by education. You know, well, I, I must be saved because I, I understand theology. I, I have a degree in, in theology. Nicodemus had a Ph.D. in theology, basically, since he was part of the Sanhedrin. He was brilliant. He was a Pharisee. That meant, a few weeks ago on Wednesday night, I talked about what a Pharisee could do. A Pharisee memorized the first five books of the Old Testament. You heard me right. They memorized the first five books of the Old Testament. Nicodemus had the education, but that didn't make him saved. He knew more about learning than anything, and that did not make him save. There's another old-time evangelist named Vance Havner. Vance Havner once said, some people are too, or so educated, they were so educated, it was beyond their intelligence. Think about that later. Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you got to be born again spiritually. Now, verse 5 surprises people go back and look at verse 5 because a lot of interpretations in some ways it may be a complicated verse Jesus answered him answered truly truly I say to you unless one is born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God what is he talking about be born of the water and the spirit there are different theories in fact there's about nine eight eight theories on this that verse I mean some people believe he's talking about being born physically uh, being born of water was the idea of being born physically. Well, I mean, if that's true, well, then Jesus is saying you must be born physically in order to be born spiritually. Duh. I mean, that makes no sense to me. So, some people actually say, is talking about baptism. You must be baptized to be saved. But if that's the case, then all of a sudden we made baptism a sacrament. And nowhere else does it say that in, in the Gospels. But to understand the passage, just remember, who is Jesus talking to? He's talking to a Pharisee. A Pharisee who understood the Old Testament. So Jesus is using an expression that Nicodemus understood. In the Old Testament, if you go back and look at the Old Testament, the image of water always represented cleansing. You go back in the Old Testament, the image of water, when, when the prophets would talk about water, and this image of water, it means cleansing. Remember what John the Baptist John the Baptist was baptizing? What was he doing? He was asking for people to be repenting and cleansing. So here's what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, and I believe Nicodemus understood it this way. I say to you, unless one is born of water, cleansing and repentance, and of the Spirit, he cannot be born again. All right, I'm about to get very technical. Hold on, just hold on. In the Greek language, that's two prepositions. would mean two events, but, but he only gives one preposition. In other words, one thing happened with two aspects. Here's what Jesus is saying. My language. 
if you want to be saved, you must repent and be cleansed by the Holy Spirit by giving your life to Christ. That's what he means. Only by the Spirit can you do this, and only by the Spirit can you repent, and only by the Spirit can you be cleansed and be born again. The Holy Spirit is doing it. That's what Paul writes to the book to Titus. The Spirit is referred to as water. Uh, the Spirit is, and Ezekiel talks about the idea of cleansing. It's over and over. So Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, if you want to be saved, you must be cleansed and repent of your sins, and the Holy Spirit is going to do this in your life, and you must be born again by the same Spirit. And with that in mind, Jesus gives pictures to demonstrate it. He gives them pictures so he can help them understand it. Look what he says down in verse 8. Verse 7, he said, don't be amazed. I say to you, you must be born again. He said, verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it's going, comes from, and where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus says, Nicodemus, let me explain it to you. The Spirit of God is like the wind. You don't see the wind. You see the result of wind. You feel the wind. There's power in the wind, but you don't see it. You don't even understand the wind. I mean, who understands wind? Jesus says to Nicodemus, you need to understand, verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound, but you do not know where it's going, so is the Spirit. By the way, the Greek word for wind is the same word for spirit. So Jesus is using a play on words. He said the physical wind It's just like the Spirit. And there are some connections if you think about it. You think of the wind. Wind has the power to change. The other day I I was driving during that rainstorm, and all of a sudden this this burst of wind came out of nowhere, and I almost went off the road, this burst of wind. What happened? That wind can change things. We saw how wind can change things in Mayfield. Wind has power to it. In the same way, the Spirit can change things. When the Spirit comes in your life, it will, He will change your direction. When you are born again, your whole life changes. You were going against God, and then when you give your life to God, it changes your direction, and you're going toward God. It's like the Apostle Paul. He was going one direction. And then when the Spirit came upon him, he went the other direction. It changed your direction. Also, the Spirit changes your desires. When you are born again, all of a sudden the things you desire are no longer there. The things of the world doesn't appeal to you anymore. You want to please God. You don't want to please the world. The Spirit of God will, will change your destiny. Again, you're headed one direction. You're directed, headed away from God. And then all of a sudden, through the Spirit of God, by being born again, it changes your destiny, and now you're headed toward God. You were, being, you were headed toward hell, and then the Spirit of God changes you through the being born again, and now you have a new destiny toward heaven. Jesus said, Nicodemus, it's like the wind. You may not see the wind, but you will always see the result of the wind. And the same thing in your spiritual realm. You may not see the Holy Spirit, but I promise you, you'll always see his result. And if you don't see his result, something's wrong. And Jesus said, that's an illustration from nature, but Nicodemus, let me be 
more precise for you to understand. Let me give you an illustration from history. Look down verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. That's an image from the book of Daniel. Talking about the Son of Man is the Messiah. God coming down. Verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. Now some of you may not know that story, but Nicodemus knew it. Nicodemus knew it backwards and forwards. It's found in the book of Numbers, chapter 21. People of Israel go into the promised land. And they defeated the Canaanites, and they, and they were getting discouraged. It was a long trip, and they were always eating manna. And they spoke up against God. They spoke up against Moses. And they said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to, to, for us to die in the desert? There's no food, and there's no water. And so they kept complaining about the blessings of God. And so God judged them. In verse 6 through 9, let me read what it says. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they poisonous serpents, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. And so Moses made a bronze serpent. And put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked on the bronze serpent, he lived. By the way, this is a horror movie in my world, okay? They're complaining against God. God, you're just blessing us every day, and we're tired of the blessing. We want different blessing. So God sends poisonous snakes, and they're biting the people, and they're dying in the desert. They come to Moses and say, Moses, we are sorry. What, what can we do? We are dying. And so God tells Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a bronze serpent and put it on a pole and put it in the middle of the camp. And anyone who's bitten by a poisonous snake, all they have to do is walk to the middle of the camp and look up and see the bronze serpent and they be healed. Now, does that make sense to anybody in this room? You know, Wait, shouldn't I get medicine first? No. You're to go in the middle of the camp, and you look up at that bronze serpent, and you'll be healed. And can you imagine somebody being bitten by the snake? And they said, look, I, I know you've been bitten by a snake, but here's what you need to do. You need to go to the middle of the camp, and there's a pole, and there's a bronze serpent. All you got to do is look at it. That's it. No, I'm serious. Cross my heart. This is ridiculous. Why would God do this? Why would God say, I'm going to make it so easy for you. All you have to do is go. Because to go to the middle of the camp, to look up at the bronze serpent, meant that you believed the message. To go to the middle of the camp, to look up at the bronze serpent, meant that you had faith in what God has said. To go to the middle of the camp, to look up, meant that you were obedient. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, it's the same way, Nicodemus. If you want to be born again, just like the bronze serpent, you've got to look up. And he's talking about the Son of Man who descended down. A few weeks ago, we noticed where John talked about, Behold the Lamb. And you'll see this throughout the book of John. People keep pointing to Jesus. And Jesus said, in the same way, 
In the book of Numbers, just look up and live. Well, Nicodemus spiritually is the same thing. In faith, through the Spirit, you need to look up. Now, Nicodemus didn't understand this because that phrase, lifted up, is used in another way later on in the story when Jesus went to the cross. Same phrase. Because Jesus was lifted up just like the bronze serpent. And to be saved in faith, in obedience, you need to look up and see Jesus and give your life to him. Nicodemus, if you want to understand how to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And it happens spiritually. And just like in the Old Testament, a lot of people were bitten by those vipers. And they didn't need to have more education. They didn't need to go and get a religious booster. They didn't, know, didn't need to go get some new fresh start or a new leave. What they needed to do was to get rid of the curse, was to trust God and look up. Would you stand and bow your heads? Next week, we're going to be looking at probably the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16. But tonight, it may be possible you have never given your life to Christ because you think you can get to heaven by good works or good reputation. Or maybe because your parents were Christians or your grandparents were Christians, you, you think that makes you a Christian. It doesn't. Jesus made it very clear, very plain. There's only one way to enter the kingdom of heaven, that is to be born again, to repent, to be cleansed of your sins through the Holy Spirit by trusting in Jesus, by looking up. If you're here tonight, you've never made that decision. In a few moments, we'll be singing. If you would just come to the front and talk to me or one of the ministers about giving your life to Christ. If you're online and you want to give your life to Christ, if you would just text the word today at 270-398-5005, and a minister will give you a call to talk to you about your decision. But if you're here tonight and there's some uncertainty about your salvation, there's no reason to leave this place with any doubt about your salvation. Father, speak to us now and help us to understand how you've made it easy for us because we do not earn it. We do not deserve it. We simply accept a gift that you provided through the death of your son. In Jesus' name, amen.